Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. Well, today is uh, uh, part two of a series that we started last week, and uh, the subject matter we're talking about is how to get fat. Now, for some of you who may think, what in the world did he just say, and why is he teaching us on how to get fat? Well, I think it's important that we all realize that it's the key for us to experience everything that God wants us to experience in our spiritual journey to become all that he has really destined for us to be, uh, especially as followers of Jesus Christ. And so therefore, if you were here last week, you learned that the letter F stands for faith. And we're learning the importance that God is ultimately wanting to grow our character. In other words, he wants us to become bigger on the inside than on the outside. God is far more interested in our character and who we are and our response to him as true followers of Jesus Christ. How we live our lives. And one of the keys to that is living a life of faith. We want to be faith-filled. We want to be like the disciples when they asked Jesus. They said, Jesus, teach us to increase our faith. We want to grow and to increase our faith. And Jesus said, because of your faith, it can be done. Because of our faithfulness, listen, God will be faithful to us. And so we talked about the importance of faith last week. So if you missed the message, I encourage you to go back and check it out or listen to the podcast. Today, I'm going to be sharing something that I think is extremely important when it comes to growing bigger on the inside than on the, on the outside. And that's the letter A, which stands for available. I thought it was so appropriate with the songs that we were singing Especially that last song, Here I Am, Lord, I Am Available. And that's really at the heart of what availability is all about. It's just simply saying, God, here I am. God, I'm giving you my all. I am making myself available to be used however you choose to use my life. And so when you think about it, those three words, here I am, can be an absolute game changer in our life, when it, really when it becomes to, to who it is that God is calling us to be, to live this life of character. Now, one of the things that um, I think is really kind of interesting I was, didn't even know this until I kind of dove a little deeper into it. But did you know that there are seven specific statements, here I am, in the Bible? And I don't have time to get into all seven of them today, so I've just picked a few of them that I'm going to speak on. And so today we're going to talk about specifically three words, here I am, that can ultimately change our lives. So turn to your neighbor, look at him and say, here I am. I turn to the other person and say, there you are. So today, if there are three things that I hope that really sticks in your mind, three words that you walk away with today, it's those words, here I am. On the count of three, repeat it out loud. One, two, three. Here I am. So when you think about it, when we say those three words, here I am, what does that really mean? 
And ultimately, what happens when we actually say those words, here I am to God? If you're taking notes, I would encourage you to jot these down. Number one is this. I make, you make, we make a sacrifice that we never thought we would make. We make a sacrifice that we never thought that perhaps we could make. Now, I want you to imagine being 100 years old. 100 years old. And not only being 100 years old, God taps you on the shoulder and says, Hey, I'm going to make you a father. I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. In fact, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Now, imagine that. 100 years old, God taps you on the shoulder and says, Here's what I'm going to do with your life. I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. Well, he happens to be married to a woman who is 90 years old. So he's 100. She's 90. It's not like Jay-Z and Beyonce. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like they kind of have a lot working against them. 100 years old, 90 years old, God says, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. Just one problem. The problem was, not only were they old, but Sarah, Abraham's wife, she was barren. Through all those years, she could not conceive. They didn't have any children. So as you can only imagine, a little bit of confusion when God taps Abraham on the shoulder and says, Hey, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. Not only was he old, 100, but his wife, unfortunately, could not have children. Well, here's what's interesting. What's interesting is that in this scenario, God does an amazing thing. God performs a miracle in the womb of Sarah. But before, listen to this, before she gets pregnant, they had to wait 25 years. So think about that for a moment. God is revealing to Abraham what he's going to do. And not only does he reveal what he's going to do, he's having to now wait another 25 years before God does what he said he would do. You can imagine during that 25 years, you know, your time, time frame, you know, Abraham's probably asking God all kinds of questions, asking himself all kinds of questions, asking his wife all kinds of questions. But yet it was through his faith that he kept trusting and kept believing. But here's the thing that's important. The thing that's important is this, that after he gets the news and after his wife conceives, They finally give birth to a baby boy by the name of Isaac. And it's in this season, imagine these parents who are raising now their one and only son. The fulfillment of a promise. Think about all the dreams, the the aspirations, just all the things that they were praying for and hoping for. and All the things that they wanted to see come to fruition in their one and only son's life. And all of a sudden, God taps Abraham on the shoulder again, and we pick it up here in Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 2. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God, God called. Yes, he replied, and notice Abraham's response. Here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah 
And go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. So here's what is powerful. Which powerful? You're talking about faith. Here, God not only performs a miracle in this situation between Abraham and his wife, Sarah. Not only does she conceive, but now they have a baby boy, their son, Isaac. The one and only son, the one whom they loved after all of these years waiting. And now all of a sudden they have their son. And in this moment, God does something with Abraham. And what he does is he tests his faith. In essence, what he wanted to do is he really wanted to look beyond his faith. He really wanted to even look beyond anything else. What God wanted to do is he wanted to see what was in Abraham's heart. But not only did he want to see what was in Abraham's heart, he really wanted to test the willingness of his heart. And it wasn't so much the fact that God didn't know the willingness of his heart. He wanted Abraham to know for himself his own willingness of heart. Was he willing to step out in faith? Was he willing to trust God? Was he willing to obey God in what it was that God was asking Abraham to do? And in that moment, He was asking Abraham to give up his son, to sacrifice his son, his one and only son. You know, it's interesting, through this whole story, something amazing happens. And what happens in this moment is that we realize later that when, you know, when, when, when Abraham took his son Isaac up to the mountain and you know, he lays him there on the altar. And, and in this moment where Abraham literally is getting ready to carry out what God had told him to do. Of course, in that moment, God gets Abraham's attention and says, stop. You know, God provides. And in that moment, what happened? God saw the willingness of Abraham's heart. He knew that he was not only a man of faith, he knew that he could be trusted. He knew that he was bigger on the inside than he was on the outside. He knew that he was a man of character. And in that moment, as Abraham was getting ready to sacrifice his own son, listen to this, something miraculous happens. And in that moment, there was a transfer. It was no longer Abraham's son it was a moment where Abraham released his to God. And basically what he's saying is that he's no longer mine. He is yours, oh God. He is yours. And I think one of the greatest lessons that we have to sometimes you know, learn in our lives when we think about things that sometimes we have to give up, or at least what we perceive we have to give up to follow God, to follow Christ, You know, sometimes we often worry about, well, if I go all in for God, you know, well, what about this? Or what about this? Or, you know, I'm going to have to change that or change these group of friends. Or, you know, I'm going to have to stop doing this. And and, and I don't know that I can. And all of these things, these questions come into our minds. But here's the thing. In this moment, what Abraham is learning is a powerful lesson. It's the great paradox of life. In other words, sometimes what God is trying to teach us is, opposite of what we think in the natural so in essence it's kind of like this sometimes we have to understand when it comes to this issue of sacrifice that hey we have to be willing to give up in order to go up in life 
Another way of saying that is this. We have to be willing in our lives to sacrifice because it's in that moment of losing our life that we actually find life. So, so often what happens is that what we think we are giving up belongs to us. We see it as something that is under our control. But in Abraham's case, everything changed because it was no longer under his control. It was now under God's control. It was no longer his. It was God's. And as a result, God saw Abraham was not only a man of faith, a man that he could trust. He saw the willingness of his heart. He put him to the test. And because of that, God used Abraham in a tremendous, tremendous way. Well, the cross is that great paradox. Because here's the principle. The principle of the cross goes like this. Jesus died on the cross. He was sacrificed on a cross. Three days later, he was resurrected from the grave. What's the point? The point is this. Resurrection always follows the sacrifice. Listen, there cannot be an Easter without first having a Calvary. You see, the blessing always comes after the sacrifice. You see, the blessing always comes after the giving. And we have to understand that when it comes to these areas of our lives, that sometimes we see God asking of us. We see God, you know, saying, I want you to lay this on the altar. Hey, what is mine? What we often see is ours. God is saying, I want you to entrust it to me. And that's what the scripture says in Romans 12.1. Therefore, the scripture says, I urge you. Brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So when, when we say to God, God, here I am, what are we doing? We're putting everything that we think is ours, everything that we think is under our control, Everything that we see is our responsibility. What we're doing is we're transferring that all over to God. We're placing it on the altar. And we're saying, God, my life is yours. My marriage relationship is yours. My financial situation is yours. My physical body is yours. God, every decision I make, I want it to be your decision speaking to me through the will that you want me to fulfill in my life. God, every relationship, every friendship, everything that I do, it is not mine. It is yours, oh God. That's what God desires. So therefore, when we do that, we make a sacrifice we never thought we could make. And as a result, God chooses to bless our lives. So when you think about those three words, here I am, the first thing we learn is that we make a sacrifice we never thought we could make. Number two is this, we see a miracle that we never thought we could see. We see a miracle that we never thought we could see. You know, most of you, I would, I would be safe to say, probably know, and you're familiar with the story of Moses. And Moses, I would be safe to say, in, in, in many ways, I mean, his whole life was a miracle. 
I mean, it's just one miracle after another. But one of the things that's interesting about Moses' life, when you think about all the things that he got to experience, none of it could have happened until he had what was referred to as a burning bush moment. And what I mean by that is in this burning bush moment, it wasn't until then that Moses actually witnessed the greatest miracles of all. And it says in Exodus chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, he says, This is amazing, Moses said to himself. And the reason why is because here he was. He was on the backside of a desert. He's just tending to his sheep. And all of a sudden, he sees this burning bush. And as he's watching this fire consume this bush... Here's what he says. He said, this is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And notice Moses' response. Here I am. God said, do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. You see, it was in that burning bush moment where God spoke to Moses. But had it not been for that burning bush, bush moment, the miracles that followed perhaps would have never had happened. Now think about this. The reason why I say Moses' life was in many ways one miracle after another is because basically it happened when he was born. When, when Pharaoh had, had ordered for all of the firstborn sons to be killed. And so, you know, in this situation where um, Moses' mother had prepared and put Moses in this little basket and sent him down the Nile. And lo and behold, through God's sovereign plan, he was discovered for, by Pharaoh's daughter. And they took, they took Moses in and he was basically raised and spent 40, listen to this, 40 years there in Egypt, a Hebrew living the life of the Egyptian royalty. So here he was spending 40 years of his life there in the Egyptian palace and given everything you could possibly imagine. And then after 40 years, he spends another 40 years, listen to this, on the backside of a desert living this life of, of obscurity. I mean, here he was second-guessing everything that he was about. He was second-guessing his future, thought basically he had nothing worth living for. And then it was in this burning bush moment where he was on the backside of a desert. God revealed to him his ultimate destiny, his plan, his greater purpose for his life. And what did God tell Moses to do through that burning bush? He said, hey, it's time to go fulfill your purpose. And what did God do? God used Moses to go back to Egypt and to set his people free who had been slaves for 400 years. Because he said those three words. Here I am. And God, as a result, allowed him to experience something great. But it didn't come before the questions and all the excuses. Here's what I've learned. I've learned anytime God places his calling on your life, anytime God tells you to do something, every time God kind of puts a challenge in front of you that is much bigger than your comfort, your convenience, you know what makes sense to you, Anytime God challenges you to stretch you, again, to grow you, to be bigger on the inside than on the outside, when he's calling you to relinquish control and to give up everything you got and give it to God, 
it's only natural to come up with some questions, right? It's only natural to simply say to God, well, God, how is this going to affect me? Because oftentimes we only see what we understand or what makes sense to us when it comes to what may work or what may not work or, or how we may be able to pull something off. Because a lot of times when God tells us to do things or when God challenges, challenges us to do something, a lot of times it doesn't make sense. And so you can feel for Moses because he was encountering the same thing. In fact, he gave a whole laundry list of excuses to God in this burning bush moment. And I, I would be safe to say that some of you can even identify with him. One of them was Moses simply asked God, well, who am I? You ever thought that? Well, God, who am I to, to step into this situation? Who am I to, you know, to kind of lead in this way? God, who am I that you would use to help deliver this message to these people? Who am I? Well, in Moses' case, it was only natural for him to ask the question, who am I? Because he was a Hebrew and God was telling him to go and to free his own people there in Egypt. So he was having some insecurity there with his own identity. And then he gives another excuse to God. And he said, well, what if they? In essence, what he was saying is, is what if they say this, say this? Or what if they don't do that? Or what if he doesn't agree to this? He was living with the reality of fear, which is very natural and normal anytime God is calling us and asking us and challenging us to do something that's bigger than ourselves. And not only that, he throws out another excuse. He says, well, I have never. In essence, what he was saying is, hey, I am not cut out for this. I, I, I'm not your guy. He was feeling a sense of inadequacy. And isn't that true? We often find ourselves in a situation where we're like way out of our comfort zone. And we're kind of like, hey, I, I don't know that I'm capable of doing this. Moses was experiencing, hey, he was feeling all those feels. And then the last excuse was, he says, well, use somebody else. You see, he was insecure because he wasn't a good communicator. He had a speech impediment. And he was reluctant because he was fearful of being rejected. I'm telling you, there are some of you here, and I believe that, that many of you are experiencing a lot of things that Moses was processing and wrestling with. And maybe you're in a place or a season, or maybe right here at the beginning of the new year, God is leading you to take some next steps in your spiritual journey. To grow in some areas that maybe you've never really taken serious or maybe really put at the top rung of the priority ladder. And for some of you, listen, right here at the beginning of 2024, you know it's in your heart. You want to grow. You want to become all that God wants you to be. You want to live a life of purpose and fulfillment. You want God to use you to be a light to, to those around you. You want God to use you to make a difference, to make an impact on people's lives. Oh, want that, right? Until sometimes what God asks. And it's the sacrifice. And, and, and it's the challenges of sometimes when we step out there and say, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. But we second guess because of all the excuses. But here's the question of the day. What if? What if... Moses in this burning bush conversation with God. What if 
Moses would have walked away from that burning bush conversation and said no. What if Moses would have said, I'm not your guy, go find somebody else? What if Moses would have turned his back on God and said, now is not a good time for me. Things are busy. My, my kids are signing up for, you know, this activity and I'm going to be traveling a lot and I got a lot going on right now and you know, I've just got so much on my plate right now. I'm already stretched. I always feel, I'm always trying to, you know, figure out that whole work-life balance situation. And God, hey, you know my heart. I mean, I'm busy. Got a lot going on. I mean, I'm coming to church on Sundays. What if Moses had said no? Moses would have never experienced the miracles think about this that he personally witnessed and experienced in his life you say what are some of those miracles turning the Nile River into blood seeing the Red Sea split in half seeing the pillar of smoke representing God there in the tabernacle, seeing the cloud that followed the tabernacle by day and the fire by night, representing the very presence of God. Think about the miracle of seeing water gush out of a rock. Think about the manna that fell from the sky to provide for the people there in the wilderness. Think about the Ten Commandments that God personally delivered to Moses on those, those tablets of stone. Think about the miracle of the promised land ultimately being discovered and delivered and the very presence that God fulfilled by his people taking possession of the land. Think about all the miracles that Moses would have never had the joy and the opportunity and the privilege of seeing and experiencing in his life had he had said no to God. So my question to you is this. What miracle are you missing in your life because God has tapped you on the shoulder and rather than you saying, God, here I am, I'm available, you're saying to God, God, hey, I wish I was available, but I can't right now. And because we have that perhaps attitude of saying, God, I would love to, but I can't, or I'm not your guy, I'm not your girl. Hey, God, because of this is just not in my wheelhouse, I don't really have any experience. I mean, that person over there, they love Jesus more than me. Use them. Well, here's the problem. Many of us, we've had countless burning bush moments where God has tried to get our attention. He's revealed things to us. He has spoken to us. Maybe through other people. Maybe through someone like me. Through a message. Maybe it was just a situation. Maybe, maybe you were in a place and God is finally saying, Hey, now that I've got your undivided attention. And yet we still walk away from that burning bush. Saying now's not a good time. So today, 
Here's what I'm going to ask you. Are you willing to say, God, here I am. I'm available. God, what is mine is yours. God, I may not be qualified. I may not have experience. God, I, I may not know. I may not have a clue what I'm supposed to do. But here I am. If you're calling me, if you're tapping me on the shoulder, here I am. I'm available. Whatever you want to do. And I promise you this. Listen. listen. The moment we have that posture, the moment we're willing to say, God, here I am, is when all control is transferred from you to him. And that's when the miracles begin to happen. Because it's only in that moment that God simply says, now that you're available, watch what I'm going to do in and through your life. You know, last week I threw a challenge out because we talked about faith. The first characteristic, the first character trait, if you will, that we're learning in this series. Talking about faith and increasing our faith and being faith-filled. And we talked about God testing our faith. Because here's the key. In the season where God wants to test our faith, to see the willingness of our heart, we have a choice to make. Are we going to say, here I am? And last week I talked about the, remember the, the 90 day tithe challenge? For some of us, maybe that went through one ear and out the other, or went way over our head, or maybe you weren't here last week. But what's the whole purpose for that? The whole purpose is the blessing always comes after the giving. The resurrection always comes after Calvary, the cross. You see, the miracle always comes after our willingness to say, here I am. So the question is, are we willing to say, here I am, so that, listen, so that I can make a sacrifice I never thought I would make. I perhaps will see a miracle that I never thought I would see. And then thirdly, I would go to a place I never thought I'd go. To go to a place I never thought I would go. And this is probably the most famous here I am statement in all the Bible. And it's the story of Isaiah. Isaiah, he's, listen, he's worshiping in the temple. And in this moment, he literally has this moment where he experiences the very presence of God. And as he's literally caught up with this vision of God and he's seeing the very presence of God, God speaks directly to Isaiah. And notice this. In Isaiah 6, verse 8, it says, Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here I am, send me. You see, in this moment, 
Isaiah responds with a servant's heart, and he's basically saying, hey God, if you're looking for somebody to take your message to your people and to deliver that, pe- deliver that message to the people, here I am, I'm your guy, send me. And what's amazing is that the prophet Isaiah not only delivered the message to God's people, his own people, listen to this, he delivered a message that the people did not want to hear, but Isaiah delivered a message that they needed to hear. And that's what I'm doing with some of you, with you right now if you haven't figured it out. I'm delivering a message that some of you may not want to hear, but I promise you I'm, I'm telling you, I'm giving you a message that you need to hear because you will not, I promise you, you will not experience the miracles in your life until we're willing to say, here I am, use me. And if if our willingness is to say, God, I'll go to a place that I never thought I, I would go, one of the things that God may also teach you in that is this. God may send you to a place that's closer to home than you ever thought was realistic. What I mean by that is that oftentimes when we say, God, here I am, send me, we think, okay, God, send me to China. Or God, send me to Russia. Or send me to some obscure place on the other side of the planet where those people really need Jesus. But sometimes God may say, hey, I appreciate the willingness of your heart, but I've already got those places covered. What I need you to do is go talk to that coworker on Monday. What I need you to do is to go and make amends with your ex-husband or your ex-wife. What I need you to do is to go and make yourself available to be used wherever it is that I have you planted right now. Bloom where God has you planted. Don't wait for perfect conditions. Don't wait for perfect circumstances. Hey, Ecclesiastes says, hey, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get around to doing it. At the, listen, at the end of the day, we have to say those three powerful, life-changing and life-giving words, here I am. And when we say those words, we will go to a place we never thought we would go. And you know what? Sometimes... Not only is it going to a place that we never thought we would go, sometimes that place might actually be a team. It might be a group. It might be perhaps a, a, a ministry that you never thought you would go or be a part of. For example, they're not in the room, but I'm going to brag on them for just a moment. Some people that inspire me is a couple by the name of Jen and Steve Downey. They'll probably hear this. I didn't ask them if I could share this. And I'll probably get in trouble because I didn't ask them, but I'm going to do it anyway. You ask for forgiveness rather than permission sometimes. Because I know their heart, and I know that would be the last thing they would want is for me to draw attention to two people. But Jen and Steve Downey are not in this service, they're not in the room. Here's the reason why. Because Jen said, here I am. I'm available. And I'm willing to go to a place that I never thought I would go. And you know where that place is? It's right behind this stage right now as I'm speaking. She and a team of other men and women 
are leading our student cafe. They're going to a place that never thought they would go, grown men and women leading middle school and high school students. They're getting to spend time and so into the next generation, and I promise you, they are hearing things, witnessing things, experiencing things. They are seeing miracles that we're not getting to see, hear, or experience, experience right now because of what they're doing in the lives of our young people. I think about Lino Rosario. Lino's probably in the room. He's usually back there in the back. He's one of my heroes. Single dad, two beautiful, beautiful daughters. Without fail, without fail, be so easy for him to make excuses. Without fail, every week, he is here helping load out the church, helping with putting together and get, gathering and organizing and lifting and, and, and putting onto the truck to take all of our portable things and putting them away with the rest of the team. He makes sacrifices he never thought he would make. He is seeing miracles he never thought he would see because he was willing to go to a place to serve on a team he never thought he would would serve in. I could spend an hour just telling you story after story, people like that. Another gentleman who's serving back here in our student cafe, I'll never forget when he and I were talking and he said, Pastor, I remember when you made the statement that the only way we were even going to be able to have a student cafe is if some people were willing to stand up and, and serve. And he said, I just thought to myself, what happens if nobody does that? And as a father, he said, here I am, and he's back there serving today. I think about people in our church who have made tremendous, tremendous contributions to the kingdom of God because of what they do. I think of Caleb Walls. Where's Caleb? Caleb over here, he's one of my heroes. Young college student, young adult, faithfully, every single week without fail, meets early in the morning, gets up at the crack of dawn, meets some of the team, helps with the load-in, with the production gear, works with our team, and every single week he helps logistically put up this screen so that all of us in this room can enjoy seeing things on the screen. You know why he does that? Because God has done a great work in his heart, and he knows at the end of the day he wants to be bigger on the inside than on the outside. And we're not here to puff him up, and he doesn't want all the attention, but I know this. Every single week, he can put his head down on a pillow and have the satisfaction of knowing that I did my part in the kingdom of God to help advance the local church, to be the local church that God has called it to be, to be a bright light to a community called Lake Nona and beyond that desperately needs to hear and to see the good news of Jesus Christ. As I could spend an hour telling you person after person after person in this church 
who is seeing miracles, who is experiencing the goodness of God and the favor of God. They're seeing God's provision. They're seeing God work in and through their lives. You know why? Because of three words. Here I am. And when we make ourselves available, listen, we do things we never thought we could do. We have easily over 30 active teams at Rethink Life. We're not a big church, but that's just to scratch the surface to make sure all the holes are filled. And quite frankly, there's a lot of holes that have yet to be filled because people have yet to say those three words, here I am. And so what we realized right here at the beginning of the year We want to come alongside and we want to help you discover something that maybe you've never discovered about yourself. And that is specific gifts, passions, things that God has placed into you that maybe you've never even realized or maybe you've never even connected the dots and said, I had no idea God wired me for this. That's why we're starting starting point. Because it's literally the starting point where your spiritual journey begins for you to discover not only who we are as a church, but for us to discover who God made you to be so that you can live a life of meaning and purpose and spiritual impact. We're going to show you, we're going to teach you what the Bible says about your spiritual gifts through a spiritual gift assessment, your personality, your unique personality that God has given to you so that you can know and understand that God has wired you in a way that fits perfectly into that hole of that missing piece, that that spot, that place that God has uniquely and divinely designed you to fulfill. I'm telling you, when we discover that, When we discover that, that's where the miracles begin to be manifested in our lives. Here I am. Here I am. I make sacrifices I never thought I'd make. I see miracles I never thought I would see. I go to places that I never thought I would go. I serve people I never thought I would serve. The last of all is this. I find a joy that I never thought I would have. This is the actual opposite of what we've been talking about. Because the other examples of here I am are individuals who say to God, here I am. But in this case, it's the opposite. In this case, it's God, it's his son Jesus, who's actually saying those words to you and me. Here I am. In Revelations chapter 3, verse 20, it says it like this. Jesus said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat with you, and you will eat with me. What does that mean? There are some of you listening to my voice in the room, some online today, and maybe you've tried everything the world has to offer. Money, success, 
by the world standards. You've tried pleasure, sex, relationships. You basically have experienced all the so-called good things in life or things that you thought were good, things that you thought would make you fulfilled, things you thought would bring happiness to your life, things you thought would fill that void or emptiness in your life. But yet, for whatever reason, and sometimes it's even hard to explain, there's still that hole in your soul. There's that void, that emptiness. It's like, I got the best bed money can buy, but I still can't sleep. I built the most magnificent, beautiful home someone could ever build, but or house, I should say, but I still don't feel like we actually have a home. I've done all these things and I've gone all of these places, but for whatever reason, it hasn't satisfied. And all of life's experiences and all of those encounters and all those things that we often look to and chase after and we lean upon and we look to. So often God uses all those efforts and He's using them, every single one. And it's His way of knocking. Just knocking. Knocking at our heart's door. Getting our attention. Helping us to understand that all along what it is that we thought would make us happy, what it was that perhaps we thought would bring joy to our life, fell miserably short. And he's knocking, and he's knocking, and he's knocking, and he's waiting patiently for you and me to simply open up the door of our heart and invite him in to take residence in our heart, to take control, to literally trans form our lives. And if you've never experienced that, if you've never opened up the door of your heart, Jesus is there. He's here today. He's simply saying, here I am. Just invite me in. Because Jesus wants more than anything to have a relationship with you. God made you so he could love you. And all he wants in return is for us to love him back. And so today, are you willing to say those three words? Here I am. God, I'm available. I'm available. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, Are you willing today to say those words in your own heart? Are you willing to allow God to test the willingness of your heart? By saying, God, I'm available. Here I am. Use me. God, I'm, I'm willing to do whatever I need to do. Go, over where, go wherever I need to go. God, I'm willing to give whatever I need to give. God, my time, my talent, my treasure. God, whatever I have, God, it's yours. It's no longer under my control. It's under your control, God. If God has spoken to your heart today, and maybe as a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus. And maybe it's time today in 2024 for you to say to yourself, I'm tired of making excuses. There's no greater opportunity than right here, right now, today, 
to make myself available to do whatever it is that God would have me do. And for some of you, maybe it's joining a team. For some of you, maybe it's stepping out in faith for the very first time and saying, I'm willing to lead a small group. Hey, I have a love for basketball. I'm willing to start a small group with people who enjoy basketball. I love crossword puzzles. I'm going to start a group with other people who may share that same passion. We're going to gather together. We're going to enjoy something together, but while we're enjoying something we we like to do, I'm going to use that top opportunity to to help each other grow and become all that God wants us to be. We're going to gather with some young parents who are all in the same season of life. We're going to gather with some young adults who are all in the same season of life because together we're healthier, we're better, we're stronger. But God, here I am. I'm available. Use me to lead the way. Whatever it is, whatever it is. God, here I am. And others of you here today, perhaps maybe it's that It's that knock that you've been sensing for a long time on the door of your heart. And it's God saying to you, it's Jesus knocking at your door saying, here I am. Would you be willing to pray this prayer? Would you be willing to open up the door of your heart? If you've never put your trust in Jesus, would you be willing to make him the Lord of your life today? Right there in in your seat, in the privacy of your heart. You can say something, pray something from your heart like this. Just say, dear God. If you're watching online, you can join us. Just say, dear God, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. I turn away from my sin. Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross. And you came back to life. Today, I'm inviting you into my life. To take control. To forgive me. Thank you, Jesus for saving my soul. Father, we thank you for all that you've done. If you prayed that prayer with us today as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer just then with me, would you hold up your hand high toward heaven today saying, hey, count me in. I just opened up the door of my heart today. I just invited Christ into my life. Any others? It's wonderful. Anybody else? Just say, yep, count me in. It's wonderful. Thank you. Father, we thank you for these that lifted their hands and God, we give you praise and glory for everything that you've done. God, all the miracles that we will have the opportunity to see and experience throughout this year and beyond. God, we give you praise and glory for it all. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, it would mean a great deal to us if you would consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. You can click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories. And be sure to tag us at Rethink Life Church. To learn more about our church, check out RethinkLife.com. Until next time, hey, we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life.